please help us, uh, Lord, as I uh, as I um, share the word, as I as I uh, um, try to bring out uh, the the meaning of the passages for today, Lord, that that you know I would be able to be faithful to your to your intent, and um, I pray, Lord, that that the hearts of the folks here would be open and that they would come to know you more for this time in Christ's name, Amen. Um, we are on part three of our series on the law and the gospel. Um, I, this is a series that has not gone the way I had planned. That, that does happen occasionally where, um, where uh, it, it doesn't go where you think it's going to go. And, and I had actually set out, I was reading um, Old Testament law, right? Like have any of y'all ever sat down and done that? Like really read through the laws? And there's some of them in the Old Testament that you read and you're like, why would that be a law? Or, or you read it and you, well, am I supposed to follow this? Like, should I, and one of the things I hear frequently, <laughs> but one of the things I hear frequently is where uh, folks will say, well, there's this law about having to wear clothing all made from the same fabric. Should I be doing that? Like, or can I wear blends? Like, what, what's the rule here? And, and that's actually where I intended to go. But um, I started out, we, we started out looking at, at the law and, and what the law is and what the gospel is. And that was the first week we talked about um, the purpose of the law is so that you know what, what sin is. Everybody with me? The law, like when you look at the Ten Commandments, when you look at the rules, they do not exist so that you can climb your stairway to heaven, right? Like you cannot earn your way up there. You cannot be good enough. It is so that you know the standard and you know you can't reach it. Um, I, I sometimes, I've been running, um, like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run in a race this summer. Um, Carly saw me out running the other day. Um, I, I've been running and I have this, this iPhone app that tracks my speed and compares me to everyone else in the world. And I only look at that so I can know how fast I'm not. Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's ridiculous. You start looking at guys, you know, in, on the world level, these guys are running, you know, five-minute miles for, you know, four hours. And, and I'm running much slower. Like, so the standard exists. Like, the law is like this. The standard exists so that we know um, that, that we can't reach the standard. And when we know we can't reach the standard, we know we need Jesus to die for us. We know that we need something to get us out of the hole. If I can't climb out, I need somebody to reach down and pick me up and take me out of the hole I'm in. And that's Jesus. The gospel is that you cannot be good enough. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You cannot overcome your sin on your own. And so God overcomes it for us in Jesus. Um, and and this, is, this is huge because folks get this mixed up. They get it stuck in their heads that, oh, I've got to be perfect to go to heaven. And that, that ain't the way it is. Um, last week we looked at um, dealing with sin after you become a believer. Like, like, and, and the fact of the matter is that we're going to continue to sin because we're infected by sin, right? Like we're all going to continue to screw up. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I know some of y'all. You should be amening louder. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't believe I said that. I, <laughs> that I, <laughs> I should be yelling it. Is it? <laughs> um, and so, like, like sin, I mean, it's this thing that we're going to continue to do because we're fallen, right? And, and you know, after we're saved, it's not as though, like, oh, I screwed up, I, I committed a sin, and now God doesn't forgive me. You know, actually, and it's not even that, um, oh, I forgot to say sorry, so now God's going to squish me. It's that we're forgiven from the moment we follow Christ, from the moment we're in Christ. We're forgiven for everything we've ever done, are currently doing, or ever will do, right? You don't have to, like, walk on tiptoes, like, oh, oh, i got to write that one down. 
Um, I, Hamlet is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, and there's a moment in Hamlet where Hamlet sneaks up on his stepfather, and he's about to kill him because his stepfather had mur- murdered his dad. And he's just about to stab him, and he realizes that the guy's praying. He's like, wait a minute. If I stab this murderer while he's praying, he'll go to heaven. Can't do that. I need to wait until he's not praying, and then when I kill him, he'll go to hell, and that'll be perfect. Well, it's not the way it works. It's not as though, like, you know, the gospel is forgiven. And actually, it goes so far as to say that the law, like, we're not under the law anymore. We don't look at the law and say, oh, got to do it perfect, got to do it perfect, got to do it perfect, or else. We look at the law and we say, I, I, I can't live up to that, so Jesus did it for me. Um, we'll continue to sin. Now, that was going to be the last of these more technical theological sermons, but then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Paul kind of ends his discussion of that in Romans 6 where he says, well, if I'm not covered by the law anymore, does that mean I can do whatever I want? God. Absolutely. No, you can't. Um, he says, listen, so should I, if I'm forgiven and the more I sin, the more I'm forgiven, shouldn't I sin a whole lot? That way God gets to forgive me and everyone's happy? No. <laughs> and, and, and so Romans 8 is actually where we start looking at the topic of like, how do we overcome it? And in digging into this in the first place, I looked at um, um, Gordon McDonald, a theologian, and he, uh, he wrote this, this essay about farming in New Hampshire. And for some reason, farming in New Hampshire, it, it struck my mind as interesting because he actually bought this farm and never farmed it. He built a house there. And when he picked the spot where he wanted to build his house, he built it himself. And, and he picked the spot. It was apparently a spot where the previous farmers had, like, dumped their rocks. Do you all have spots like that? Yeah. Um, and so he picked this spot. He said, well, it's perfect except for all the rocks. And so he and his wife set about, and they, they had to haul off the boulders first because there were boulders in this, you know, I don't know if any of y'all ever found a boulder in a field you were planning on, on planting. And so he said that it took him only a couple days to haul off the boulders. The big ones were easy, right, the biggest ones, because they just, piece of equipment, dragged it off and dumped it where the field used to be. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the biggest ones were easiest. And then they came back and they looked and they said, well, there's some pretty big rocks yet, a lot of them. And so they brought the truck around and they started loading up these rocks, these big rocks. And, and they got it cleared enough that they were ready. They put a house up and their lawn wouldn't grow because there were still baseball-sized rocks everywhere. And they couldn't get the lawn to grow properly because there were too many stones in the way. And so then the longest project they did, he and his wife spent just an enormous amount of time picking up rocks. Has anybody done that? Is it easier to pick up the big ones or to hunt for the little ones? Yeah, because the big ones, you pick it up, it's done, right? The little ones, you got to look for them. I, I, uh, I've only driven a combine once, and I know that watching for those little rocks is, that's a, that's a job, and I haven't been allowed to drive a combine since, so it may be a job that's beyond me. Um, <laughs> but I am offering my services. <laughs> um, so I, I forgot to bump my slides forward. I, I, uh, um, so we're, we're, we're jumping into this eight. We did one through four before, so we're going to go through them really quick. Um, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, like, real quick, um, if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have come under his lordship, meaning you're, like, taking his teaching, you're applying to your life, you're living this life, you're pursuing God, you're, you're in this active relationship with him, right? Like, um, there's no condemnation. You may fail, 
but God isn't going to show up and say, oh, one too many, you know, <laughs> you know or, or, or what have you. Like, it's not going to happen that way. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Um, instead, we come under the law of the Spirit of life, meaning that, like, we're, we're saved by grace and all that. Um, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So what we learn here is, and I'm going to summarize, Paul is saying, if you are in Christ, you are forgiven. Jesus took your punishment. You will struggle with sin, right? You will struggle with sin until the day you die. You just will. Um, The only way to not struggle with sin is to stop paying attention. Okay, it's the truth. If you stop looking and saying, oh, shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't be doing that, the moment you fall asleep at the wheel, there's nothing to worry about right now. Um, <laughs> later, it's a different conversation. Um, it ends up being a little like picking rocks, right? And, and, and this, is, this is why I talk about picking rocks. The big ones are easy, right? Like the day I became a Christian, I knew there were certain sins I absolutely had to stop doing, right? And it was easy to quit them. Um, the biggest ones are always the easiest. And then actually the slightly less big ones become easier. But the problem is that you end up spending the rest of your life picking up the little rocks, right? Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about overcoming the little rocks and how we, how we get past that step in our lives. Um, this is verse 5. Those who are according, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. He says, listen, if you live in your sin, all you're going to look at is the stuff you want, and it's not going to matter, right? This is the, how do you not worry about overcoming sin? You live in the flesh. You you quit, right? Folks who are in the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit's kind of guiding your path, you know, and the Holy Spirit's directing your attention. If you're in the Spirit, you're going to do things according to what the Spirit calls you to do. So when you look, you're going to identify, oh, these are things um, that I shouldn't be doing. I would compare this to, to marriage. I love marriage because it, it works as an analogy for so many things. There are times in my marriage where I am all about me. Is there anybody else who does this? Actually, there are times in my parenting that I'm all about me. The child's primary purpose is to bring me coffee and the remote. And if you're not doing, you know, it, and the world revolves around me. That's a little like being in the flesh. When I'm focused on doing my marriage right and parenting right, my interests and my desires sort of fall to the wayside. Um, I become less concerned about what I want and much more concerned about what you want. Or what my wife wants, not what you want. I, anyway. Um, <laughs> And, and this is kind of the way it is. When we're in Christ, if we're living according to the Spirit, if we've got those sunglasses on, we're looking at the world through the Holy Spirit sunglasses, we're seeing what God wants out of us. And we're pursuing God from that perspective. Our own desires start to slip away in favor of this. And that's actually the point where we start noticing the rocks. Right? Man, there are a lot of rocks here. I can't grow my lawn. Well, I need to take care of this stuff. I need to work it out. And so um, Paul goes on. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Meaning, um, if we live focused on ourselves, if we live allowing our sin to dominate us, allowing it to control us, allowing it to enslave us, um, death is the ultimate outcome. That spiritual death and, and really physical death is a part of that, right? Like, but all of us are going to physically die eventually. Um, 
But, but spiritual death, separation from God, is what he's talking about. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace, meaning that we draw closer to God. There's increased peace between us and God, right? Like we, we come to a place where we have this peace treaty between us, like through Jesus. And, and we, we become spiritually alive. Um, seven to eight. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul is really working this out. He says, listen, if you are living in this, first off, you can't submit to God's law. You don't even want to. You know, like, like this is your rebellion. You're going to live in this place of rebellion. But we as believers, this is actually what he says in Romans 6. You can go back and read it on your own if you don't believe me. He says, um, we believers, we've died to sin. We've died to this old way of life. This old way of being is no longer a part of who we are. We now are alive in Christ. And so whenever we encounter sin, our objective is to put it to death. And to pick those rocks up and throw them in a different field, preferably the neighbors. Um, you do that, right? Is it? Um, <laughs> however, you're not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Okay, so Paul says, listen, this is what sinful folks, people who are in sin, people who are in the flesh, this is what they're subjected to. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit guides you, right? This isn't you. You're not the people who are guided by the flesh. You're the folks who are guided by the Holy Spirit. When you look at the world, you should be looking at it through that set of sunglasses. You should look at it from that perspective. Um, how do I draw closer to God? How do I serve God more intimately? How do I walk this path properly? Um, actually, it's a big part of how we know we belong to him, right? Um, I'm going to move on. Uh, Ten, if Christ is in you through the body, or excuse me, though the body is dead because of sin. Now, in the last sermon we talked about this, that your body, the flesh in you, is going to rebel, Right? That's when, when my wife and I have an argument and, like, the perfectly right thing to say, which is the worst thing for me to say, comes to mind, right? And I want to win the fight, and that worst thing possible to say comes out of my mouth. That's the flesh, right? Because there's a part of me in my head that's listening to me talk and saying, shut up, you fool. <laughs> what are you doing? You're saying exactly that. Anybody done this where, you're like, you start talking and the worst thing possible comes out of your mouth? Or you look at something and you know, this is not how I should be acting, this is not like me living according to the Spirit, but there's a part of you that sort of like grabs hold of the wheel and says, well, you may not think that, but this is what we're doing. Um, you know, sin sometimes has a habit of throwing us into automatic pilot where the flesh does its thing, and in our heads we're like, man, I really shouldn't be doing this. Or, man, I know this is offensive to God, or man, this is going to screw up my marriage, or this is bad for my kids, or, you know, th this, this is not what I should be doing. Um, but we get stuck in that because of the flesh, the sin in us takes control. Um, we're going to go on. Um, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Now, Paul sort of transitions. He says, listen, there's a part of you that's dead in sin. There's a part of you that will physically die one day, right? He says, but, but the spirit of him, meaning the Holy Spirit, um, who raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And so if he raised Jesus from the dead, he'll also do the same for you. So ultimately, like as we struggle with sin, right, 
Um, we struggle with sin with an eye on the future, knowing that the Holy Spirit will one day make us perfect. When we're all resurrected and everybody will be resurrected one day, for good or for bad, everybody with me? Um, will be perfect. There will no longer be that inclination towards sin because our mortal bodies will be remade and that sinful flesh part of us will be gone. Now there's another element to this. Um, um, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, meaning we don't live with this inclination. We don't have to follow sin. Like, like we want to, the flesh drives us to, uh, but if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting death to the deeds of your body, you will live. Um, this is important. Check this out. Um, by the Holy Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of our body. This is our job and his job, right? I, I knew a kid... Years ago, he was in the mental, um, he had a mental problem. He was, he was crazy. I, I think that's the therapeutic word for it. Um, and, and he would do just wild stuff, just self-destructive, insane stuff. And one day, I'm, I'm trying to calm him down. He's freaked out. And he's screaming and breaking stuff. And he runs out the door into the snow and darts across the field where, you know, where this big campus that we're on. And he runs out onto the ice on the pond. And the ice ain't all that thick. And he runs around in circles out there. And I looked at him and I thought, I should really go get him. And then I stood there <laughs> and watched him run around in a circle. And then he ran back and he said, that proves that God will never answer my prayers. I was like, well, you didn't drown, so he answered my prayer. <laughs> and he says, I prayed that God wouldn't let me do stupid things anymore. And that was dumb. <laughs> Here's the problem with this. God expects us to put our part in, right? If I say, God, please make me not sin anymore, and then, like, the very next stop is a liquor store right before I at the strip club, like, I'm probably jumping in with both feet, right? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing my part. Um, I, if I say, God, keep me healthy forever, but I eat McDonald's three times a day and then die young, I can't blame him for that, right? We have a part. <laughs> um, it is our obligation to fight with, with sin, Right? We are going to lose that fight on our own. Everybody with me? We are. You just will. On your own, if you try to overcome sin, this body of yours, this sinful flesh, will grab the wheel and turn you into oncoming traffic, and it will go badly. Um, But the Holy Spirit aids us. See, if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What he's talking about is, he's talking about the, the ace in the hole, right? Um, through the Holy Spirit, we can do work that we would not otherwise be able to do. Um, I've never picked rocks in a field, but my impression is that they're heavy. Is that right? Um, we, we keep driving him. Have any of y'all seen that, like, road close sign? I think the, the that's been in town for several weeks, and it's like, to keep it from blowing away, they have, like, like a six-foot-long rock. You know, it's about three feet thick, you know, and... We were, I, I saw it and I thought, wow, it's like a Montana paperweight. <laughs> it's really windy here. Um, <laughs> and we were discussing how many people it would take to pick it up and carry it off, right? If I found a rock like that in a field I was trying to plow, that rock would have to go. If I tried to pick it up on my own, would I be able to do it? When we encounter the big sins in our lives, listen to this. When we encounter the big sins in our lives, if you try to pick it up and carry it off on your own, you will fail. You might find the little rocks and carry them off, right? 
But even then, on your own power, eventually you're going to get tired of doing it. You're going to quit before the job's done. Um, in order to pick up the big ones, we need, I don't know, is that what a skid steer is? Or that's what you use a skid steer for, right? Oh, I don't know. What do I know about farm equipment? I, mean, <laughs> um, I know it's just not a cow. That's the one thing I'm very sure of. You, you would bring out a piece of equipment, and with that piece of equipment, you would pick it up and haul it off, right? Will the skid steer do it on your own? No. You have to drive it. I wouldn't let me drive. Anyway, um, <laughs> somebody has to operate. I mean, like, the Holy Spirit cooperates with us in this fashion. When we go through the effort of picking up our rocks and hauling them up and clearing out our field so that we can have, like, growth, um, the Holy Spirit aids us in that respect. But it is a partnership. He draws our attention to it, and he makes it possible for us to accomplish it. Overcoming sin as a believer is a product of the Holy Spirit's intervention in our lives. And so we do it with the Spirit as a joint effort, and we work our way through it. Everybody with me? Um, actually, I included the next two verses. Um, for well, 14 and 15 is the last ones we're looking at. For all who are being led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Now, check this out. If the Holy Spirit is guiding you, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to fight with your sin, you are still like, like a part of God's family, right? The surest way to know that God is, you know, that you're not in the right place is you are no longer struggling with sin in your life. You're looking at it and being like, eh, okay, what are you going to do about it, right? That is a bad sign. If we are putting to death sin, if we're struggling with it, if we're fighting with it, if we're striving forward, we continue to be adopted into God's family, right? We continue to be sons of God. Um, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, meaning we don't live our lives terrified of God squishing us, um, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Um, Abba is not just a 70s band. Um, Abba is actually like, like um, um, a word it means uh, like daddy. It's an affectionate term that you would use to refer to a father. So like, like Abby crawls into my lab and she says, Daddy, I love you. Like that's like Abba would be the word that she would use if she was, you know, speaking Aramaic. Um, and, and so like, like when he says, listen, when we're in Christ, we're not adopted into a place where we're terrified of God. We're adopted into a place where we rely on God in this way. Um, Abby is working her way through stages in life, and I love her and I help her with it, right? Sometimes she messes up. When she messes up the stages in life, does she need to be afraid of me? Well, sometimes, because she needs to be corrected, but that's even... <laughs> ultimately, she doesn't stop being my daughter when I correct her. Um, we live out... Um, like, like, let me catch myself here before I say something dumb. Um, like, on Father's Day, I just wanted to draw some attention to this. As fathers, we live out God's example, right? How God would ideally deal with us when we pick our kids up and set them right. When we love them through difficulty. When we teach them how to overcome the silly stuff they're doing. Um, this has been very theological. I'm going to offer some concrete steps here. Um, first off, not all sin is the same. If you are a believer struggling with sin, overcoming sin, first off, like it's good to be aware. There's a sin type, like it's not a term that's in the Bible. It's something that's very commonly used in theological literature called besetting sin. Alcoholism is besetting sin. It's sin that's so dug in that it's a part of you, right? And overcoming that kind of sin is a lot of work. There's sin of omission and commission, meaning like 
when you sin, you plan it, or you do something, or you fail to do something, right? I, uh, Jess is mowing the lawn the other day. Can I tell the story? Is that all right? Uh, Jess is mowing the lawn the other day, and, and I was sitting on our picnic table out front watching her, and, and she got mad at me. And the question I kept asking is, what did I do? <laughs> Anybody know what I did? It was a sin of omission. <laughs> I failed to assist in the process, right? And I was wrong. Um, my sin of commission that followed up, I got mad back, saying I didn't do anything wrong. I got mad when I should have said, well, how can I help, right? Commission is action. Sin is, of, of omission is failing to act, right? Um, and finally, like premeditated versus impulsive sin. Um, have any of y'all ever said something in the heat of the moment that you sort of wish you hadn't? No, just me. <laughs> um, impulsive sin is when you do something in the moment, you don't think about it, you just do it, right? Um, but there are times when we premeditate sin and we spend time ruminating it and planning it out and thinking, you know, well, what if I, and we sort of line up our situation so we can commit our sin because it's what we really want to do. Um, these are all important to understand about yourself because as you deal with sin in your life, if you're taking it seriously, understanding it's important. Everybody with me? Um, here are the steps I'm going to offer. Here are the suggestions. First off, the things that do not work. Self-flagellation is, is not what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> happy Father's Day. Anyway, um, it, it refers to hurting yourself to make yourself not sin. Like the, during the medieval era and like the Dark Ages, there were monks who would like commit sins and when they'd sin, they'd go into their room and they'd take a whip and hit themselves over and over again and say, bad, bad, stop it. That doesn't work. Everybody with me? Um, simply punishing yourself will not make you not sin. Okay? It doesn't mean you shouldn't spank your children. Um, in fact, I encourage it. Um, sorry. Uh, the other thing that doesn't work is hedges. Um, hedges are when you set up, like, barriers and you say, don't get anywhere near this sin or else. Right? Um, one example of that would be, uh, anybody grew up in a really conservative family where if you went out and played baseball on Sunday, you were in trouble? Because you played a game on the Sabbath? I'm not saying it's wrong. But, but if you set up a hedge and you say, I can't go anywhere near that sin so I don't accidentally, like, break it, you'll just find a way to break the hedge and then sin, right? <laughs> um, in, the old, in the Bible, we would see where people would be like, all right, you can't use the name of the Lord in vain, so you're not allowed to say it at all. If you ever say it, we'll execute you. And if you write it down, we'll execute you. And if you write down the first letter, you have to throw the pen away. So that you don't accidentally write something offensive with the same pen. That would be hedges, right? It's setting up barriers. They don't work. Like, they just don't work. Um, so moving right along. Um, um, these are things that do not work. Um, things that do work. First off, investing in spiritual growth and intimacy with God. Um, as we mature spiritually, we like, like naturally shed some sin, Right? I mean, it just happens as a matter of course. That means worshiping. It means praying. It means reading the scriptures. It means spending time studying. It means spending time with other believers, fellowshipping, and like, like enjoying God together. Like these things help us grow spiritually, right? I mean, it sort of makes sense. We fight with Abby right now every day because she won't eat. If she doesn't eat, she will not get bigger, right? I mean, she will, but it's not going to be as big. Um, Titus, on the other hand, eats everything that gets near him, sometimes things she, that aren't food, 
Um, <laughs> but he weighs, what, two-thirds what she weighs? He's going to get much bigger than her because he's like a little vacuum cleaner. <laughs> you have to eat to grow. Spiritually, you have to eat to grow, right? You have to do the things necessary. As you grow, you overcome certain things. Um, confession. This one's not fun. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Um, there's, a, there's a saying in AA, you're only as sick as your secrets. Um, if we have a, like an area where we struggle and we hide it, it will get worse, right? You can't grow mold in the sun. You grow mold in the dark. Sin grows in darkness. The more you can hide it, the better it gets. Confession involves sitting down with other believers, other men, other like, like folks, and saying, this is where I'm struggling. And it's awful. It's a little like throwing up. But actually, it's generally better once you're done. The thing that goes with a confession is accountability, where you have folks that pull you aside and say, how are you doing with this? Right? Um, it's actually, um, I, I talk about AA a lot. I really um, um, appreciate the model because AA started out as a Bible study. And the thing that worked for them was they got together, they studied the Bible together, and then they asked each other, how are you doing at not drinking, right? Like they were accountable and they confessed. Confession, accountability, and spiritual growth will take you through almost anything. It is amazing. Um, spiritual disciplines, I think we're going to do a series on this later. Um, these are not magic. Things like fasting, um, the, like spiritual discipline, like giving. Um, these are things that work wonders, but you have to do them right. It's not like, all right, I'm going to fast and then God is going to make me thin and I'm not going to sin anymore. It doesn't work that way. Um, fasting or, or disciplines are ways to draw you closer to God, and we'll do a series on that later in the summer, just FYI. Um, keeping our focus on Jesus. Um, there are folks I talk to that I say this to frequently, 110%, right? If you are struggling with a sin in your life and you spend your time focusing on Jesus, it's not... Like, it's easier to overcome. It makes a big difference. Um, it is really hard to look at pornography and pray at the same time. Right? It, it just is. Like, because it, it, it's, I mean, oil and water topics, right? Um, when we pray and we address sin, like, like, keeping ourselves in prayer and keeping our eyes focused on Jesus helps us overcome, like, like, like garbage. Um, and then, like, avoiding situations. Like, uh, one of the stories you hear frequently about this, like, uh, Joseph, is it jo Am I got the right guy? Joseph in the, uh, not Joseph, Jacob. Joseph. Jacob. Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> it's early. Um, <laughs> Joseph in the, uh, in the Old Testament, Joseph is, is um, at his boss's house, and the boss's wife comes out in, in a skimpy outfit and says, hey, how's it going? And what does Joseph do? He turns around and he runs away. And she grabs his coat to stop him. And he leaves his coat behind and runs. Um, if, if, you know, if you were trying to overcome sin, avoiding it is the way to do it, right? I, I had a, years ago, I had a man I was dealing with who, who was um, entering in an extramarital affair. And, and he, it came out between us and I found out about this. And, and one of the things that we discussed was you never, ever spend time with this woman alone again, ever. You don't talk to her on the phone. You don't, you know, like that's it. If you're trying not to cheat on your wife, one of the first steps is 
don't spend time with people you might cheat on your wife with. Um, there were three great preachers in the, in the 1930s, like three of the best preachers. I don't remember their names, except I know one is uh, Billy Graham, right? Um, Billy Graham is the only one who ended his preaching career, has ended his career as a preacher. The other two ended their careers as disgraced preachers who had had affairs. The difference between them is every time Billy Graham walked into a room, he had two or three guys with him, right? Every time Billy Graham went anywhere, he had people keeping him accountable because he said, I will never be in a place where I can fail in these areas. Like, I will always be surrounded by people. We have to avoid sin, like, in order to overcome it. Um, and it needs to be a conscious effort. Um, I, when I quit smoking years ago, I, just, I hate using this as an example, but I quit probably six times a day for a while. Um, I was good at quitting, um, but I always kept a pack of cigarettes in my toolbox in the garage. And I might go three days without smoking, but I knew that pack of cigarettes was in the toolbox in the garage. And so I knew I could always go back to it. It wasn't until that I emptied that toolbox out that I knew I was done, right? Because when it was there to get to, I was always going to sin. Um, we're going to finish up. We're way over time. I'm not sure what happened. Um, I didn't think I went that long, but... Uh, we're going to close um, in prayer, and, and um, um, we're going to go and enjoy Father's Day, okay? Um, I, I'll actually close in prayer and a blessing. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning. Help us to um, draw close to you. Help us to, to lean on you in overcoming sin and overcoming um, rebellion and overcoming temptation. Um, I pray that you would just keep our eyes focused on you and, and cleanse our hearts in Christ's name. Amen. Um, let's uh, arise and receive the blessing.